The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Johnny, beam us up. Welcome into another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, your host, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we explore the importance of Star Trek and the story that it tells with someone who has never watched any Trek before. That person, obviously, is Matt. The challenge for me, though, how do I condense all of Star Trek into the most important episodes to show Matt why Star Trek means so much and to, forgive the pun, beam him up into the fandom? Today's episode is Amok Time. This is the first episode of Season 2 of the original series, and this is the episode where, well, Spock goes into heat, Vulcan heat, and he must either return to Vulcan and take a mate, kill something, or die trying. When Spock's mate decides she doesn't want him anymore, though, it's a fight to the death between Spock and, well, Captain Kirk, because... Of course, it's Captain Kirk. It's always Captain Kirk. But don't worry. Some quick thinking by the doctor fools Spock into thinking he killed the captain and satisfies his hunger. And back on the ship, turns out the captain is alive and well, and everything's back to normal, and Spock leaves us with a little smile. Well, Matt, now that you've seen this episode, Mm -hmm. this is... I, I don't know that I want to say this is an iconic episode, but this episode talks about some stuff around Star Trek that you just have to know about, and so we didn't have a choice to not do it. But sure, I'm sure. curious, an and overall thought, we'll dig down into everything in a few minutes, but kind of overall on the surface, what did you think of this episode? It's It was definitely a unique episode. Okay. Um, I... Like it feels like kind of a you know a wedding episode that you might get out of I don't know some kind of sitcom. Sure. But if anybody were to get married, I think Spock is the last person that I would have expected. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's it, so just taking that as basically, I mean that that is kind of the plot of this episode. Spock has to get married. Right. I'm like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously they, 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 there's a few other twists and turns to it and uh, and the reasoning behind it and such, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it it was definitely not what I was expecting. Okay. All right. Well, um, Matt, uh, we'll dig into all of this in in just a few minutes, but I want to introduce sort of a new segment, uh, on this show. Um, something just, you know, here we are, we're nine episodes in and I, I realized something that we've not done and something I've sort of just taken for granted is the idea of not just knowing who the characters are or who's playing them or 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 you know the production notes but a part of being a star trek fan is also knowing who the actors are and what's going on with the actors and and there are times when you know there's just these fun little subtleties of hey we're going to tie this person back to this person and this thing here and there and then honestly getting to also know the main cast Right. Like, yeah. you know, Bill Shatner. Yeah. You probably, I dare say, would know Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to guess who DeForest Kelly is. Right. Because we covered it last week. Yes. Right. OK, there you go. But if we start talking <laughs> about Jimmy Doohan and, you know, Nichelle Nichols and George Takai. OK, mm-hmm. let's move it forward. We're now talking about uh, a guy named Jonathan Frakes or Cole Meany or uh, yeah. Alexander no Sadit. Right. Like, you don't know any of these people. <laughs> Every Star Trek fan who's listening to this knows exactly who those people are and what characters they portrayed so we're going to talk about the actors as well but there's also actors that recur so we're going to we'll kind of dive into this a little bit kind of on a production note side but to talk about these so i just have a couple i want to bring up today sure that are real important just to kind of let you know i think this is more of the fun part of it the first character i want to talk about is ston do you remember ston in this episode he's the other dude Oh, he's the other oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That, that she wants to marry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. He's the other guy. Well, he's played by a guy named Lawrence Montaigne, Montag- Montagnia, sure. something like that. <laughs> uh, but Matt, you've actually seen him before. Really? Yes, you have. If you remember the episode Balance of Terror, okay. he was the Romulan that got demoted two steps in rank. <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. All right. So that's how you know him. Uh, this guy, he actually worked quite a bit from the 60s to the 80s, and this is also pertinent to Trek. Uh, he retired from 
acting in like 1988, but he okay. came out of retirement in 2007 to reprise his role as Stan in a fan film called Star Trek of Gods and Men. Now, okay. you're not allowed to watch that yet, okay, um, okay. and I'm not going to tell you anything about it because you're just not there yet. There is nothing in that film that I can tell you that's even going to make sense to you. Um, not yet, but... Yeah, I, I would imagine that from, coming from a fan's perspective, it's all the gaps that they wanted filled in that never were. Yeah, and, it, well, exactly. Like, and this I one, don't know what those gaps are, so... Yeah, exactly. And, and this one is especially that. But, you know, there was this this thing back through the early 2000s when um, filmmaking techniques and equipment became cheap enough that the general population could buy that. Sure. And, you know, we also went without Star Trek on TV for, you know, we started losing Star Trek on TV. We just didn't have it. <laughs> so, uh, like, people started writing scripts and they started building sets. And, like, that. what would happen is, is former Trek alumni, like actual actors and stuff, Stuff, you know, they'd hear about it and they'd want to lend a hand, you know, because everybody kind of starts loving Trek, even the actors, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they they come out of it. And like the guys who do the makeup, like they come in and they help out doing the makeup and, uh, you know, people, production designers. And it just and this was one of those films where a lot of Trek alumni either reprised their roles or mm-hmm. just they were former Trek alumni, but they just got new roles. Sure. You know, um, eventually CBS and Paramount shuts this down because copy. <laughs> copyright infringement uh, it's not yeah. real it's not canon right uh but this this was something that he did come out of retirement for to play this guy again so uh that's Don. another one i want to talk to you about is Tapau. uh she's okay. the the elderly stateswoman yep. Yep. of vulcan uh played by a name by a lady named celia lovsky she was apparently a really well-known czech actress of her day um very very well respected in the field okay. unfortunately we're far enough removed from that it probably doesn't mean much to us like we're like i yeah. don't really care the only thing of note that I, I do think is kind of neat, she is one of only 11 people to have ever been on Star Trek that was actually born in the 1800s. Whoa. So, you know, there's that. Um, okay. But this one does mean something, Matt. The next person I want to talk about is the character of Nurse Chapel, Christine Chapel. Okay. Uh, now, she was played by, well, uh, we've discussed Nurse Chapel before. I Yeah, I, I, the name sounded familiar. Yes, yes. Nurse Chapel is, is a, she's a person I told you that she would become a recurring character throughout uh, the original series. Sure, sure. You want to know who she is because she is, uh, because she pops up several times, she's kind of just known. Uh, yep. And as you may have picked up from this episode, one of the things is she just kind of has a thing for Spock. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's just sort of, that's kind of her gimmick. Yeah. Um, and I, we first met her back in an episode that you and I didn't watch uh, called What Little Girls Are Made Of. And she just pops up from time to time. This is the first time you and I are running across her okay. in this series. Um, but she is played by a lady named Majel Barrett. Okay. Now, if that doesn't ring a bell, let me give you a few other people that you may know her from. She was number one in the unaired pilot, The Cage, the female first officer. Okay. Which you might remember from The Menagerie when we did that episode. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was that lady. She also is the computer voice, <laughs> the voice of the computer. <laughs> She also will go on to become Mrs. Gene Roddenberry and become okay. the first lady of Star Trek. Yeah, so, I, I want to say that's where you probably first mentioned that's prob- her. And I probably said at that point, she, by the way, she plays a couple other characters. Mm-hmm. One of them is Nurse Chapel. She is obviously a very, very important person to the entire thing of Star Trek, uh, whether yeah, it's in yeah. production world, in real life, and in uh, the series. Um, yeah. We are going to catch up with her a few more times. We're not gonna, this is not the last time we're going we're gonna to talk about Miss uh, Majel. Uh, because she's obviously a very, very important person in the lore of Star Trek. But that's who we're talking about here. This is Nurse Chapel. Sure. Um, when, whenever people talk about it, it's Nurse Chapel. This is this is the lady. Got it. She has the pink soup. Um, <laughs> by the way, talking about that pink soup that she brought to Spock. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember when he throws it up, throws it out of the quarters and up against the wall. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, they they it took them a really long time to paint over that and clean that up, and it left a pink stain <laughs> on the wall of the set. So whenever they're going in and out of that particular quarters, whether it was Spock's or they used it for somebody else's another mm-hmm. episode uh if you look across here you just always see this like pink stain on the wall awesome it's left over from this episode uh 1960s and 60s tv there you go and the last person last uh casting note i would like to talk to you about for this particular episode uh and by the way uh what we'll probably wind up doing uh, matt is uh 
as we get into the new series, uh, you know, these are ensemble casts we're talking about, the main cast, right? Sure. So we'll probably take those guys kind of like one at a time, week by mm-hmm, week, mm-hmm. as we go through. You might think I'd want to do that now and start with Bill Shatner as, you know, the, the affable Captain Kirk, but not so. I would like to talk to you about another cast member, uh, and it's a new cast member, somebody who is joining the cast of Star Trek and, and will be considered one of the main cast members. And I'm talking about Chekhov. Yeah. Uh, we finally caught up to Chekhov. Um, um, is is this a name that you know? Is this the the little Russian kid? Yeah, it's a name I know because I, I've told you I've seen the one of the newer movies, the Kelvin timeline. Yes, sure, the J.J. Abrams movies. Yes, it's called the Kelvin. And timeline. I and I believe yeah, Chekhov is in there. Yes, and he so like that's where I know him from. Right, like. Right, and he's a little Russian kid, right? Yep, now, yep, that, that's about all I know. Right, now he, <laughs> he is, because he is somebody who, um, he is considered one of the main cast, one of the main ensemble of Star Trek, a lot of times people forget he didn't actually enter the cast until the second season. He okay. was out of the so, first so season. So this is together. actually first appearance. This is his first appearance. Now, in the lore of Star Trek, he's been around the Enterprise for a while. This just <laughs> happens to be the first time we've seen him. Yeah, okay? well, like, like you said, I mean, they, they they've rotated that spot for a while like exactly. one guy they, they left down on another planet like, exactly yeah. yeah so apparently there was um now the, the name of the actor there his name is walter koenig or koenig i think it's actually okay. pronounced koenig um and uh, George uh, George Takai, who played Sulu, you know, who mm-hmm. obviously sat right next to him, thought that you know he was kind of moving in on his turf, <laughs> and so there was some animosity there with them for a while. But they later went on to be, and those two like became best friends on the show. Sure, you know, like like as actors, um, and they talk about how you know such a strong friendship developed out of really hatred <laughs> there at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. But you know, Chekhov was introduced as a new character because they get to the end of the first season and NBC which is the network that's running the show at this point, uh, is looking back and they're looking at who's all watching the show. And wouldn't you know who's actually really watching the show is a lot of kids, <laughs> is a lot of teenagers. So they wanted to bring in somebody who had some youth. Okay. And and okay. if you remember, this is back in the 60s. One of the big shows on TV at the time was The Monkees. And they yep. wanted to bring in somebody with that Davy Jones feel. Mm. If that means, I don't know if that means anything to you, if you've ever watched The Monkees or you know I, what I'm talking about. I, my, my, my parent, I've never, you know, saw anything firsthand obviously yeah. but uh, I, I believe I my parents love watching reruns of all the old stuff on you know whatever's on like me TV and that type of thing mm-hmm. um, so I believe I have seen a few episodes of that like I get I get the idea of you know the monkeys and partridge family and that type of thing right so uh, yeah he kind of and if you look at a picture of him next to Davy Jones they kind of have a similar look and that's really why he was brought in for his appeal to the younger audience to the girls. I can trying see that, to win yeah. them over um, and all that and and you know there Star Trek was not a a financial success in the first season yeah it really wasn't and it kind of started getting on the on the skids and uh, we'll talk th- there's a big letter writing campaign and all this kind of stuff to save Star Trek we'll talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. later um, but you know he was kind of one of those he's the first example of somebody they brought in uh, you know to I don't want to say to sex it up but <laughs> yeah but to to kind of try and save the show yes yes and star trek certainly has a history of doing that in future in future series and we'll we'll talk about those when we get there so uh so that's kind of that's the notes that i have for you um obviously this is also the first oh well a few other production notes i'll tell you uh this is the first time we get the idea of the pond far that comes back the vulcan pond far (laughs) um that is one of the reasons why we have to watch this episode oh okay and and also i mean you can imagine you know whenever you're talking about uh anybody moving into a mating site cycle mm-hmm. right and and everything that comes with it and all the the going back to your stripping the logic away and going back to your base self and you know i mean that's something that i think most anyone over the age of 13 can probably relate to on some <laughs> level you know uh and and you'll hear in the fandom of people talking you know oh he's going oh he's it's his pond far he 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 he, he talking about the pond far so it's uh-huh. it's one of those uh yes it does it does show back up later okay, okay. um but a couple of other things this is the first time, and I I did not go back and fact check this, but it's it's I've seen it referenced in multiple places, so I'm going to take it as truth. Okay, this is the first time that we ever get the Vulcan salute and the phrase "Live long and prosper." I I I, I noticed that, and I kind of wonder. 
murdered? Yeah. Because I like I made a note because you you asked me early on when I, I did that the first time and uh-huh. you know thumb in or thumb out. Right. And I believe I told you thumb in. Right. And here I, I specifically made a note thumb out. Yeah. All right. Here thumb we out. go. Right. Thumb out. Thumb out. And yeah. yeah. And then I heard the like live long and like Spock's wasn't even like the full statement. I think it was to Pilot's response was the first time we actually got live long and prosper. Uh-huh. Right, right. Um so you had that. The other thing that this does is this sets a the sets a precedent that all female Vulcans are named Ta something. I, okay. They're all named the, uh, like throughout the entire yeah, run of Star I, Trek. They're all it's to something. I I I mean we only met like two of them. Yes, but I, I I'm sitting here like to Pow and to Pring and T Pain and like <laughs> <laughs> what, what what's going on here? Like right. what, how does Spock fit into this? Did he like change his name when he left the planet? Right. Like okay, so so it's a female thing. It is a female thing. Yes. All right. Yes, it's a female thing. So to Pal, to Pring, uh, to Paul will be another one we catch up with eventually. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. So okay. Uh, so yeah, cu- a couple of of production notes there. All right, Matt. I'm curious. You, you talked to you, you, you're I asked you what you thought of the show, and you're like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. All right, take us through the episode. Uh, you know, normally I ask you like, what are your questions and all this kind of stuff. Just take us through the episode. I want to know your thoughts as you're walking through the episode, filtering sure. your questions through that way. However, you want to do that, and uh, we'll make it work. Yeah, let's go. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> all right. So the first things first. We started out on what I think, at least, is a new part of the ship that we've never seen before the, okay this this hallway was spock's quarters right right i mean up until this point i think everything we've seen has been up on the bridge inside the the ship yeah well i mean we've uh, seen, maybe, the, we've or, seen the transporter room in, we've seen the engineering bay yeah, engineering, the teleporters yeah we've seen hallways before though mm. we, okay I, I i didn't really recall seeing many okay so, like it felt like a new set and and then it kind of reminded me it's like oh this is season two i wonder if you know they expanded their budget they built some new sets and here they go but yeah maybe, maybe it's just me forgetting stuff and, and like some maybe it was in in episodes that we didn't watch too or something mm-hmm. where we got more of those shots or something but uh now something you you may be noticing and i don't i, I they did change some of the painting scheme across okay. the corridors like on the floors they painted these like really thick stripes across the floor mm-hmm. um so i don't i don't know if maybe that made it jump out to you at all or not it um, looked new it looked shiny it looked yeah. different to me so yeah. yeah um i i i will tell you this this is the first time that we fully see his quarters spock's okay. quarters anyway um we get a, a real brief shot of them in the menagerie uh back okay. then that you would have seen and i'm not sure if we see them at all in any of the other episodes maybe ones we skipped um i just don't remember because honestly i never take note of when we see so-and-so's quarters <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah so so while we're on spock's quarters sure. I, I this note comes later on but do do we know like a lot of the stuff that's in Spock's room kind of made sense to me. Like there was like, you know, like essentially 3d chess, I think it might be an expanded yeah, version, Yeah. but um, you know, th- that seems, you know, logical. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when he was, uh, I, I think it was when the nurse was in there, mm-hmm. uh, like behind her is this like creepy glowing animal statue thing. Okay. Do you have any idea what that is? Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. That statue um, is is actually something that gets noted uh, quite a few times. Uh, we see it. Uh, it, it's 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 one of those like prop items they sort of just place in various episodes. Um, okay. It is it's just it's one of those that like nobody ever talks about it, nobody ever mentions it, but like mm-hmm. it's it's popped up in a few places and different people have seen it. And it was it was a really uh, it, it was like a hot item apparently when Christie's like they did like some big auctioning of all Star Trek memorabilia a bunch of years ago. Sure. And this was like one of the hot items was the statue from Spock's quarters. It's just people right. wanted it. Like it was just a thing. Yeah. But it, it, it I, I just mean, appears yeah, in a so, few So it kind of turns and- into like an easter egg then kind of yeah yeah that's that's a great way to think about it it's more like an easter egg um but uh yeah i mean it it was i don't know three four maybe five episodes or so you'd see it just kind of in the background um spoiler alert when we get to captain kirk uh like he has a fish like a pet fish in his (laughs) office which is weird it just and it's just one of those like i always note it whenever you see the fish (laughs) you know well yeah 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 i mean i kind of figured like 
they would try to put things in his quarters that would make sense, whether, you know, they have some kind of Vulcan history to them or like I said, like the 3D chess, I can totally see Spock playing 3D chess. Sure. Or whatever version, you know, 60 chess if they've created it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's like that that seemed logical. I hate to keep using the word, but like right. it made sense. Sure. Whereas then the, the statue and like it wasn't just like off to the side. I'm pretty sure in this one scene it was almost like in the center like of the center, screen the yeah, entire yeah. time and yeah. i'm like you're not you're not going to talk about that at all okay sure <laughs> nope it's just there got it's it it's just there yeah all right uh that, but then spock he right off the bat he's just kind of angry right mm, angry spock yeah feisty spock. Spock. spock has a surprising amount of emotions in this episode yes yes and i'm glad yeah. you brought that up because i want to go ahead and talk about it right now okay do you remember back in i want to say it was the menagerie mm-hmm. i talked to you about what i call sort of the self-lie that vulcans tell themselves yep, that they're not yep, emotional yep. bs i call bs <laughs> like you know it, it, it just i call bs now here's the thing matt i i probably should go ahead and tell you this because i don't know if we've missed this somewhere along the way like if if they've talked about it or mm-hmm. if they'll talk about this later it doesn't really matter it's not a big secret um the thing about Vulcans is is it's not that they don't have, like, any emotion. It's not that okay. they're completely devoid of emotion. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. They are, incre- like, by nature, incredibly emotional creatures to the point that they can destruct themselves, like, cause, cause their own destruction. Well, right? I, 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 and that's, I, I think, what they're getting into here. Sure, exactly. It, it, it is, like, because exactly. when Bones finally, like, figured out what was going on and started mm-hmm. explaining it to the captain, like he brought up like that you know like the emotions i i think he even said the emotions can kind of like build up and it will destroy him it will right exactly and and so way back a super long time ago in vulcan history Mm -hmm. um somebody came in and used logic and it calmed everybody's mind and it pulled you know kind of centered the vulcans and Mm -hmm. that became their thing and and almost it became like a religion to tell you the truth like uh, they wouldn't call it a religion but if you look at it that's kind of how they treat logic is like a religion i I mean when you start describing it like that i I mean it it reminds me a little bit of like you know buddhists and stuff right i don't know much about buddhism but yeah it sounds like like i don't know a lot about buddhists but like yeah just the calming down the peacefulness it's like yeah you you, you, you always hear like buddhist monks right Sure. And you think this peaceful guy yeah. who's just kind They're of like the most there, chill dudes ever, very calm, right? yeah. essentially devoid of emotion. Mm-hmm. That, that that may not be how they describe it, but right, right. it's kind of the same idea, right? I think, right. And so the idea with Vulcans is, is it's not that they don't have any emotions; it's just they have suppressed their emotions. Okay, right. And and here in the pond, far it's they all come back out. Yeah, you know. So you know that explains, and you know, if we fast forward all the way to the end, that quick little smile that Spot yep. gives, yep, and and all of these things. But you know, I, I think when you think about like how angry he's getting. Uh, how embarrassed even mm-hmm. even the logical non par faring people are about the idea of a pon far you know like how embarrassed you are that you have this as part of your thing yeah like that's all emotion right sure. like there's still I think there's still a very it, as I go back to the Vulcans are not a, an emotionless people they're a very emotional people mm-hmm. um, even if they they're say just they're very good at suppressing it. it but see I don't even think they've suppressed it that well, <laughs> well but, I, I I mean they're they're much better at suppressing it than humans are. Sure, sure. But I mean, I mean, but wouldn't you say that most humans have learned to embrace and accept their emotions as a part of their experience of life? Yes. I mean, I, I like I, I would I would not want to go through my life devoid of emotions. No. Like, and and I'm talking, and I mean the full range of emotions from the sad to the happy, mm-hmm. from the mad to the glad. Like, like experience, like that's a part of the experience of life. To me, well, it is. I, anyway. I, I, I mean, y- yes, yes, I would agree with that and and that's but that's the whole you know thing about like duality it's like mm-hmm. with without darkness there is no light exactly right with if you without you know white you can't have 
black essentially right, right. right? like it, it's you need both sides of it so you you can't just say well yeah i i only want to be happy mm-hmm. well if that's all that if, if it's happy all the time it's just what it is it's you can't, normal, like right. there it's normal yes yeah. there, there's no change you need that that balance you need the sad in mm-hmm. order to experience the happy as well right right but either way spock's a little feisty right now yeah very much <laughs> he's gotta go uh yeah yeah so I, I I made a note. I'm pretty sure Spock was was ready to attack the captain if he didn't agree to stop the Vulcan, yeah. and drop him off. Like that's what it looked like, and and I I was really confused at first because like he he had this this it looks like a stake, right? Mm-hmm. A big metal stake, and I'm like he is going to stab the captain in the heart he and like i'm not sure what good that's gonna do him but like he was sitting there and the fact that he had it like behind his back that's what made me think like okay he's trying to hide this but then like the captain does his thing and like spock doesn't try to hide it but he's the captain sees it back there and i think more so he he sees him like shaking Right. And it's like, okay, I'm just super confused what is going on here right now. Like, you need to start explaining something. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, though, I think part of my confusion was I didn't understand what this, what I was calling a stake was. Okay. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, it's some new technology they have or a part of new technology is essentially a stylus. Okay. Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm not sure what stake you're talking about. I, it's not something that <laughs> so, I've ever noticed so, before. So, uh, we see it from both Spock and Uhura has one later. Okay. In the episode. Okay. But they they have these big, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, tablet type deals that mm-hmm. they're kind of like poking with this the stylus. Okay. And yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's what they were going after. But it was just really confusing because Spock was getting angry and he has this very sharp looking object in his hand and he's hiding it behind his back. I'm like, what what is he, he's going to shank the captain? <laughs> I yeah, that 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 so Coming back and, and figuring out that, okay, this is probably a writing utensil of some sort, some kind of stylus or something like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that wasn't something I need to be concerned about. It was more just about Spock's physical condition. He's shaking. He's trying to hide it from the captain. He's going on. Um, but yeah, that, that that opening had me very confused i will say that all right um was this we- matt was this one of those you said you said in an earlier episode like if if the episode comes out and presents a mystery that that draws you in mm-hmm. was this was this enough of a mystery that it drew you in or were you just kind of sitting there thinking the whole time like okay what the hell uh, i mean it, it was a little bit of a mystery but like not enough to fully draw me in uh i it was it was more so like yeah spock seems super out of character okay i i i'd rather they just kind of explain why and then the episode can be more about how to resolve it as opposed to putting s- so much uh effort into covering up what's wrong with spock like okay. I, I i mean i would have thought i mean we, as you you mentioned before part of it is spock's embarrassment as to why he doesn't speak up about it sooner but i would think logically mm-hmm. it would would have made sense you know tell the captain what's going on it, it like if you explain to another vulcan like they're gonna understand what you're going through i would think and logically say yeah you should go back to vulcan humans can if you explain the situation which spock's been around them long enough he should understand this like if you explain what's going on the captain is likely i i would assume more likely to side with you mm-hmm. than right you know but w- when you just say i need to go to vulcan it's i mean why but they don't talk about it mm-hmm. we just don't talk and that's you know that's one of those things like i'm always i always try to put myself in the position of you know the captain in this situation yeah like like i mean matt it like if if you came to me and we were we were out doing something and you just looked at me and said, I can't explain what's going on. I just need you to do this like right now. Yeah. Like, but I'm but I'm the captain. Like, I've got a job to do. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I'm ordered by my boss to go meet these other people. And they yeah. just moved up their timeline. There's nothing I can do about it. it and you're exactly. not giving me anything to go on, Matt. 
and you're saying I can't, I can't say anything. You just just I have mm-hmm, to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I'd probably look at you, and go, man. I I like I think I would do what Kirk did and just go, buddy. Yeah. I can't. I I, I need I, something more. If you're if you're like you can trust me. I get uh, that, you know, Matt. Exactly. We've been friends for a while. Like, come on now, help me and, out and, here. See, I I think I think that that's part of it too. Like Spock didn't help the situation because he didn't want to give up any details. But I don't think Kirk put in enough effort either. That's true. Because That's he, fair. He, he basically just said, okay, well, if you won't tell me, I'm doing this other thing. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't express to him specifically. It's like, if you tell me what's going on, hey, I might side with you. Yeah. You know, no one's listening into their conversation here. You can tell him that it's not like, you know, the Federation's going to overhear and you're going to lose your job because, you know, you gave him this opportunity. No, mm-hmm. it's it's something that it's both sides. It's both sides. That's what it comes down to. Sure. And I think Spock had the most to offer up, but I think Kirk could have you know, persuaded him a little bit more, you know, as his friend, as his ally. Sure, because Kirk really seems to be more of that in a lot of ways, just kind of going, okay, I just want to know what's going on with you. Like, I'm just curious, like, what's the gossip? What's the sitch? What's the sitch, (laughs) Spock? What's going on? Well, if you ain't going to tell me, then I ain't going to do anything you want to do. So, like, it does kind of come off like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I can see that, but it's it it was definitely frustrating. And, like, I think it was frustrating how long they spent on that. They did spend a long time on that, yeah. I I, I will give you it gave us little uh comedy relief mm-hmm. coming from our new pal Chekhov here mm-hmm. uh who had to keep changing course back and forth and back and forth and then he had that little interaction with Sulu and by the way it's one of my favorite moments of the entire original series yeah I just it's that like you know you, neither one of you is the boss mm-hmm. you're just two of the workers and you're sitting there and you're just like good lord man what are they doing over there <laughs> I know going here going there like, going here going there. Like how, how 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 did they make captain and first officer man what exactly are, what are we what are we doing on a ship exactly yeah but i mean getting back to it like i i, I completely understand a curse perspective like mm-hmm. like i said i willing to help out a friend but if i don't have any details and i do have specific orders like if we were just you know doing our normal thing floating around space exploring random sectors then sure you know we'll head over to vulcan next take a detour but when you have specific orders which spock knew they had like and and he overheard you know the message that that that's something that gets me a little bit too how much you know when they get incoming messages the entire bridge gets to hear it oh yeah Yeah, it's like there's no like personal phone calls here right it's it's like no everybody gets to hear private secure message for you captain great put it yeah. over here in my chair <laughs> <laughs> right it's almost yeah. it's almost matt as if you'd think like the captain would have like his own little like office or you know ready room or something right off to the side of the bridge that he could sneak into and go take a, pri- a quick private phone call or have a he, private chat with a member of his staff or something yeah yeah any anything like that or yeah. i mean even just for these incoming calls like hey uhura give him your earpiece and you can talk you know uh-huh. at least they they don't get the full conversation then at least right. you get half a conversation but right yeah. matt what you don't understand that's happening right now is i'm giving a wink wink to all the trekkies out there listening i wink, I, wink, I, nudge, I, got, nudge. I, I got that vibe that something may be changing <laughs> or you know something that somebody always brings up yeah let's give it let's, let's let's give it about four or five episodes we'll, we'll, we'll get there you'll, you'll okay. be all right okay um so yeah finagle's laws yeah <laughs> the stuff you pick I, up on that <laughs> I, I i love the names that they come up with for this stuff right <laughs> finagle's laws okay sure yeah we're sure. just gonna finagle it over here oh <laughs> any home port ship that any home any home port the ship makes will be somebody else's not mine like okay that's interesting yeah i don't know if i need i, I i'm guessing i probably don't need to remember that yeah i'm guessing it probably never comes back but right it, it, it was an interesting thought there uh but in the middle of this back and forth you know we're going to i don't i don't don't even remember the name of the place they were supposed to go now uh but you know they kept diverting between that and vulcan back and forth and back and forth and oh isn't it like arminius four or something like that? something like that yeah actually altair Altair six six, that's what it was six altair six i knew it began with an a (laughs) yeah altair six so the captain keeps changing orders back and forth back and forth Mm -hmm. but then there's one time the captain 
like radios over to Chekhov. It's like, hey, let's change course to Vulcan. And he's like, I, I don't know what you mean, you know, and finally get to we're already headed towards Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Spock gave the order. And okay, I understand he's first officer, but can should he be able to override the captain's orders while the captain is still on the ship? Sure, sure. Because I mean, here's the thing, like like so say you're say you're at a job, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your manager and your assistant manager, first assistant manager. Sure. Right? You hear the you know, your boss comes in and says, Hey Matt, I want you to go do XYZ or we're going to mm-hmm. go do XYZ. And then the managers go off and have their little thing. An assistant manager comes back and says, hey, we've had a change. We're actually going to go over here and do this for a while. Like, as far as you're concerned, it, you know, you're just following your guy. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's but- not a full like it's not it's not like Spock came out and said, I'm countermanding the captain's orders. You know, I, 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 and I suppose that's why Chekhov accepted it. Sure. But it, it feels wrong, especially like given their technology. Like it, it's one thing here on Earth right now. It, you know, if I'm working in the back room of Walmart, you know, okay, the manager's taking care of something out on the floor. So he sends the assistant manager back to talk to me sure. and say, hey, this is what we're going to do now instead. But here, where, you know, the captain is halfway across the ship for all i know and he just flicks a switch and says you know bridge and talks to Chekhov and says hey change plans like there was no need to you know send someone else it took him 10 seconds to relay that message from wherever he was on the ship Mm -hmm. and so as long as the captain is on the ship to me it feels like he should be the only one giving the bridge orders yeah i i don't think that's how it works at least not in starfleet (laughs) you know i've never had a problem apparently not but see but like here's the here's the bigger thing and i don't know if you kept up on this this is now the second time matt Mm -hmm. the second time that kirk is or that spock has commandeered the ship and falsified captain kirk's orders (laughs) the the first time was was much more serious yes yes yeah i mean this time you can kind of give him the okay listen he i'm the only nice way i can put this is he's in heat he's not in his yeah. right mind right yeah. now right like well because you know? because then we, we get into yeah kirk goes and visits spock you know after this and kind of like and not really accuses him but says hey you you, you gave this order yeah and he's kind of like well i i may have but i don't remember yeah wait a minute Memory loss comes along with this now, right? Selective amnesia, yeah. Like Spock's just flat out lying. Yeah. So, so so like (laughs) that—that's where it kind of started getting me a little more interested. Sure. Was either this is this you know disease or whatever you want to call it is is more serious than I thought. If it's actually causing memory loss, Mm -hmm. or like you said, Spock is flat out lying again. Right. Which, yeah, once again, should not happen. Hey, listen. But it's uh yeah it, it's it, it's very interesting at this point. Listen, Matt, I'm just I'm just saying. Think about your average 15, 16, 17 year old boy in the throes of puberty and hormones raging. Mm-hmm. What wouldn't they do? Yeah, I can't even finish the phrase I, right now because we're a family friendly <laughs> show. This is a family friendly show. I can't. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what mm-hmm. wouldn't they do for you know? Sure. Some. I I I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. But that brings up the question, if this is such a serious thing sure. and Spock obviously knew it was going to happen sooner or later, yeah. maybe, maybe he even knew when it was going to happen. Right. Like, why wasn't at least the captain, maybe maybe not the entire crew, if that, but the captain at least informed that, hey, at some point within this, even like if it's within this two year span, right. you know, if they don't know exactly when it's going to happen, you know, maybe it is like puberty and it hits at different points for everybody mm-hmm. like just say yeah sometime within this th- th- this time frame i'm gonna go through this and i'm gonna ask you to go back to vulcan and this is why or, or maybe not even why but a time will come when i i'm going to tell you we need to go back to vulcan right and the best thing you can do for me is to let me do that or h- however you want to phrase it like yeah th- there should have been it feels like once again logically mm-hmm. there should have been some prep for this time because yeah. it's not like spock just discovered a new disease that he, he, he was afflicted with and the only cure is going back to vulcan 
Right. Like, yeah. No, he, he knew this was going to happen. Right. But remember, they don't talk about it with outsiders. They don't talk yeah. about it with anybody. That's the thing. Okay? And that's what I'm saying. Like, at least instead of having to fight the captain over it, just give him that little bit of notice. Right. You know, so it's hey, not I got something because, coming up. Because like I you need said, to go home soon. Yeah. It, like yeah. it's 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 not another situation like we had last time he commandeered the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's th- th- this is something I told you about. I and this is the time. Yeah. Can we can we please go home now? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Instead of just, go. you know, because they wasted so much time otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly logical, is it? Mm-hmm. Because you don't even have to tell them what it is. You just say, hey, listen, there's a thing that happens to my people. It happens every seven years. And when it happens, I need to go home. And I yeah. don't know when it's going to happen. It's just, it's just going to hit me. But when it does, Captain, I need you to take me home. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I could die. And I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. But this is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and especially you know, and you that, that, that point. Right? What? You just tell them. It's just yeah. going to happen. Right? I, I, I think the biggest thing would be is if you inform the Captain, if I don't go home, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Like right there. Mm-hmm. Kirk is going to, you know, throw away whatever he's doing. Right. And get you home. Sure he is. Be- be- because we-, we-, we get one, I think my favorite line from this episode, I hope I owe him my my life a thousand times over. Isn't that worth a career? Sure. And it's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like he doesn't tell yeah. Spock that he tells Bones that, of course. Right. <laughs> but right. like, th- that's what he needs to tell Spock. It's like, dude, I will do anything for you, mm-hmm. if, especially if it means saving your life. Right. Like, just tell me that's what I'm doing, though. <laughs> right. And and what you and I mean, Matt, I think where you're coming into that is the real theme of this episode is not mating rituals of a foreign yeah, you know, yeah. land is not, um, hey, how freely can we talk about sex? Mm-hmm. Hey, how free, you know, how, you know, because keep in mind, this is in the 60s. Yep. Yep. The the loving 60s, you know, the the whatever. Um, by the way, also Cold War 60s, they put a Russian on the bridge with Chekhov. We don't have to talk about that right now. I'm just saying. It, yeah. It, talk it, about it very what, forward. What, when thinking. you brought that up before and yeah. and then you, you like, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Yeah. Because, I meant like, to mention that then. Yeah, because <laughs> you mentioned yeah, young Russian, and you went after the young, you know, uh, the David Jones uh, thing. Yeah, the monkey. Yes, you, yeah, you yeah, went yeah. after that angle yeah. as opposed to the Russian angle, and I'm like, right. oh, okay, yeah. not where where I thought that right, was going. Right, but I mean, it just you when you when you talk about how forward thinking Star Trek really is, and what mm-hmm. they're trying to say in Star yeah. Trek to you know to to put a commie on the bridge as they would have may, maybe said at the time, and apparently nobody ever there was never a letter that was received. It's like nobody minded well yeah which is cool I, that that gives me hope because it fit the utopia sure it, p- p- people understood what was going it, on on the right. show and like right. the history behind the show sure. so they accepted it sure but to get back to your point of you know kirk and spock and you know his the great line and that's a great line you pull out there matt you know mm-hmm. i owe my life a thousand times over the real theme of this episode is friendship right yeah. like what would you do for your friends sure. and, and and the loyalty and and you know yes it gives us a bigger glimpse into Vulcan, the Vulcan society and Vulcan culture and stuff like that, which is that's a, that's a part of Star Trek. Like, ah, we're getting to know the Vulcans. Um, but you know, certainly it was it, it was about the friendships. So, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. We got a couple of other quotes that I I, I don't think actually mean anything. Hey, real, I just real quick, fi- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Real quick before we go on. Because yep. uh, you're talking about Ponfar, yes, and and what this is. Can I blow your mind with this whole idea? Because you're talking about like, hey, you could have told me that this was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have to chalk this up to uh, they later retconned this as part of what a Ponfar is. Okay, Vulcans experience a Ponfar every seven years. Okay, they go through this every seven years. Spock is not a young teenager in Vulcan yep. terms. Yep, you got to imagine this ain't his first one. Well, you, you you've told me he's he's even been on the Enterprise for like or what, was that yeah. Spock? Yeah. yeah, you said he was a former captain too. Yeah, right? yeah, because he was with Christopher Bike. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's where the whole episode the Menagerie came from. Yeah, so he like he's yeah. been on there for. I mean, so he's probably been through this a few times on the Enterprise. Yeah, and there's no so, like, medical records. <laughs> There's yeah. no, you know, wait, he hasn't married this this chick yet? Like, 
<laughs> what's he done? Yeah. Has he just gone and killed people while they were out at space? Like, like what's going on here, guys? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it it's uh, it is something. Like I said, that is a piece I think that gets later retconned into the mythology of Pontar and does not necessarily sense, apply yeah. to what we're seeing in this episode. Um, but but there is that, and also I just do want to clarify something about the Pontar. While while this certainly would lead to the and lend itself to the propagation of the species of Vulcan, mm-hmm. uh, this is not the only time. In case you're wondering, this is not the only time Vulcans mate. Like they have full <laughs> mating capabilities outside of pond far it just this is i guess something that ensures it i guess yeah or yeah. or something i, I mean it, all, it almost felt in some respects like an arranged marriage that's exactly what it was yeah i, I mean between to and, and spock certainly was an arranged marriage. <laughs> except it wasn't necessarily right because like if she issues the challenge then you know it, it could it, it could be a different guy instead of the, the, right. the guy i was originally arranged right with. but i mean you get the idea that nobody expected her to issue that challenge yeah like they're like yeah you can issue a challenge that's like part of our old customs that's, uh-huh. that's if you really wanted to it, you could do it it's just but, like you know. really oddball rule from yeah the, you know and 500 years goes, ago i don't want to be married to a famous person so yeah let's do that one. <laughs> yeah so which by the way can we t- i'm sorry can we skip ahead and talk about that for just a second yeah, yeah. this whole thing happens uh, once we get there because she didn't want to marry him mm-hmm. or because she didn't want him yes she wanted well, well, somebody be, I, else yeah it felt more like not necessarily she didn't want him but she wanted this other guy more right oh so now we're talking about guess what's the word again here matt emotion vulcans <laughs> feeling emotion this is yeah. and this isn't even spock i'm talking this is this other person they're feeling emotion vulcans yeah. feel emotion sorry anyway all right go back where carry on with where you were sorry yeah so just just a couple of quotes i want to bring up because okay. i i i i think they're just there to kind of bring you into our world now okay. you know the star trek universe he's as tight-lipped as an aldebaran shell mouth <laughs> sure and like all right, yeah. I, I I I can only assume I know what that means, mm-hmm. but like you get you get the gist of it. Sure. You have no idea what uh, uh, like. Do you know what an Aldebaran shell mouth is? I have no idea. But if they show if they had an Aldebaran shell mouth in the newest episode of Star Trek coming out in this next season, uh huh, I that it, it would make me smile. Yeah, because exactly. like, hey, hey, look at exactly. that! I know what that is. That's funny. Oh look, that's cool. Uh, I, I imagine I, mean, I imagine it's a little clam. <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. guess. But just trying to make it, you know, not sound like it came from Earth. Right. Uh, kind of like the giant eel birds of Regulus 5. <laughs> right. That, that, that once right. At, each 11 years must return to the caverns where they hatched. Great. Right. Okay. Or later on, we get bones. Oh, hot as Vulcan. Now right. I understand where that phrase comes from. Like, right. You, you knew what that phrase meant. You're, you're just right. trying to introduce us, the, the viewers, to the, this phrase that apparently they use, which has never been uttered on the show before. Right. But yes, hot as Vulcan. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. Little, little things like that. I do appreciate that they throw them in there. They don't need to explain them. I'm just going to accept them as, okay, this this is part of the world. This is how we talk about things. This is phrases we use. And I think it'd be great if they, they were recurring phrases. I don't know if they will be, mm-hmm. but little touches like that, I think, help make a series better. Because it, it, it's, it's, it's little things like that that uh, when you're talking with other fans of a series – if anyone mentions, like I said, an Aldebaran shell mouth, like you know, you know they're a fan of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, I I'm glad to see that they're they're introducing some of those into the series, even if they don't touch back on them again. Sure. Uh, it, it's something that uh, they're they're creating their own world. It's world building. Mm-hmm. So we finally figure out what's going on with Spock. He has to get a wife or die, basically. Right. And then. <laughs> Yeah. the nurse nurse chapel yeah <laughs> yeah and, and so this is before i know that he has this like arranged marriage thing going on sure and like they're just talking he needs a wife or he's gonna die and like then she starts flirting with him and i'm like okay uh all right, is all right. yeah. are, are they gonna get married is it is this why mm-hmm. nurse chapel sticks around i <laughs> i don't know what's going on here mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and Spock, once again, at least pretending like he has no idea. That, that's the other thing. Spock seemed clueless a few times in this episode. It's like, of all the knowledge you have, you've never seen someone cry? Because she, she starts shedding a tear, and he's like, your face is wet. I'm like, thanks, Spock. Right. You're not a caveman. Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure you've seen someone cry before, or at least understand that humans cry. Yeah. Even if Vulcans don't, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it, it is brought up that it, it it is an arranged marriage and we get to meet his I, fiance, for lack of a better I, word. It, well, I mean, he the, said it's not as strong as a marriage, but it's yes. more important than a betrothal. Yes. Whatever w- w- that which is. Was, which was an interesting way of describing it, but yeah. I think it got across kind of, okay, sure. it's it's this nebulous area in between, mm-hmm. but it's serious at least. Right, right. right. And it was, but, what, what do you say, from the time they were seven? Yes. Arranged by their yes. parents from the time they were seven? Yeah. Th- th- their minds were locked together by touch. And it, I mean, this didn't seem just like, you know, holding hands or something. It felt yeah. like something Vulcans okay, do so, to like connect their minds. Okay. So let's, so I gave you extra viewing homework. I did not get to you watch it. You did not do that. Okay. And that's fine. Um, This would be one of those, like, <sighs> feel free to watch it if you want. It's fine. You'll catch up. There, there is something that happens in the episode, uh, The Devil in the dark okay where, i was gonna ask you where, where, like you mentioned yeah, a few episodes yeah, before I... dark spot goes up to this this creature and he mm-hmm. puts his hands on it and he initiates something called a mind melt okay, okay. vulcans have uh psychic capabilities where yeah, they we, can they well, can lock minds and enter in, into each other's minds and stuff like that and that's established I saw him that do it through a wall once yeah yeah stuff like that that's right so so that was the that's, first <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that really gets established in an episode devil in the dark and devil in the dark's a it's a fantastic trek message episode okay um the reason again the reason i skipped it is because they do that message in other episodes later in trek yeah, and yeah, i feel like fine. they do it better later but the it wasn't enough to say okay we have to watch this just to see this one thing about a mind melt we'll mm-hmm. see mind melds later but it, you know so in the lore of star trek if we were actually doing an episode by episode rewatch that would have been established a little bit that that's what i think they're talking about as kids okay. uh, between that, Tupring and that Spock, makes a little more sense a little mind melded when you do that like your minds are pretty the idea is like there's always a piece of me with you and you with me because we've been locked mm-hmm. with our minds together so fair enough yeah that that, that is good to know yeah. uh i just find it weird that that happens already at the age of seven seems a little early that seems a little early seems a little early <laughs> i mean by, by human standards but once again vulcans are different i there you go i may, maybe seven years is considered almost adult or something right who knows we finally get to meet T'Pau then. Right. The only person to ever turn down a seat on the Federation Council. Yeah. I I don't know if that was actually important. Well, I mean, I, I think the idea is, is you just, you understand she's a, she's basically a big shot. Who, yeah. You know, she's the only one to ever say so, no. Like, is she you know? the leader of the Vulcans? They never really, the queen of the Vulcans, the leader of the Vulcan unit, they yeah. never really fully explain what she is, but you just, okay. you get the idea. She is a very important person on Vulcan. Yeah, she, she's um, definitely a prominent Vulcan. Yes, and and the idea that she is presiding over this Ponfar uh, Kalufi or whatever, however you say the name, um, ritual, mm-hmm. that that means that Spock's family or maybe even T'Pring's family or both yeah. also very, and you know, Spock says, you know, we owned this enough, land yeah. for 2,000 of your Earth years or whatever. You know, they're, these are important families within Vulcan society. Yeah, I, think that's I mean, what it's really it, like, to be left with. I kind of figured it's, it's the equivalent of if the Queen of England or the President of the United States yeah. showed up at my wedding, like... Uh-huh. That that's not something that happens every day, right? It's it, 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 you you have to be somebody. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I got that at least. Right. Um, I, I I did appreciate though that she was very uh, I don't know open, very understanding that the Vulcan ways are not everybody's ways. Sure. Like she, she stated, you know, this is our way and, um, but our laws are not binding on thee. like mm-hmm. she gave Kirk all these options. Like she laid it out. It's like, this is what's happening. This is what she has decided to do. And, you know, she wants to get you involved in this, but our, our laws are not binding on you. So you can just flat out say no. Mm-hmm. And like, we, we're not going to kill you or anything. 
thing. Like, like I thought that was super cool of her, like to not only kind of explain that to him right there on the spot, but give him the option and all the consequences that may or may not come with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Kirk being Kirk, he he's not going to take the quote unquote easy way out. But yeah, I, I it it kind of me made me like to pow even more. Mm-hmm. Keep keep. And, and she's one of those characters that I will say, file her away. Mm-hmm. Just, just just put her back there in the, in the deep recesses files. You know, sure. Just just have her back there. So uh, they, they get into, or they're going to get into the battle, right? Right. Because Kirk said, "Okay, fine, we're going to do this." Okay, now you're in a fight to the death. She <laughs> Kirk never goes. Wait. What? Wait, what? Yeah. But yeah. she she does say something like, "If you both survive," and I'm sitting there like, "Wait a minute." I like I at that point I just assumed that you know they're gonna fight to the death and winner takes all right and, and so I'm like what do you mean if you both survive if you fight because then she does actually say it's a fight to the death uh-huh. and so like how on earth can both survive if uh-huh. it's a fight to the, like so, so the, this next sequence was just kind of a little bit frustrating for me yeah because it all seemed completely subjective it's like all right you're you're gonna fight to the death until i say stop right and then we're gonna move on to phase two right. i'm like if it was a fight to the death why do you have a phase two right <laughs> like, then it's not really a fight to the death i mean matt i think i can help you out with this yeah you know, i mean your question you know why why on earth would this be a a fight to the death well the thing mm-hmm. is we're not on earth yeah i i caught that right <laughs> after i said it i'm like that that's the wrong thing to say in a star trek podcast why on earth yes can you tell where I'm from. Yes. Yeah. Iowa. No. <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, I, I, I get, I guess that's about it, but it just seemed weird to even bother saying then that it's a fight to death. It's like, okay, no, you're going to fight. Yeah. Whoever wins gets a girl. Right. You know, I got to tell you, I, I didn't pick up that she said that um, yeah. because it, it's really one of those things you sit there and you go, you know, as soon as you go, okay, it's Kirk and it's Spock. They're fighting. Okay. They kind of have to. That's, that's just the mm-hmm. way it is. And it's going to be those two guys. Like that's how you set up the dramatic tension. Right. But, oh yeah, by the way, you know, they're not dying. Yeah. You yeah. know, they have to make it out somehow. Exactly. So, Neither of them can die. You know, the worry, the worry doesn't go to, oh my gosh, who's going to die. The worry goes to, all right, how are they getting out of this? Yeah. You know? And that, that, I mean, that's what I ultimately came out with. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, so one of them may even die. Are they going to introduce some like resurrection chamber or something? Some Lazarus pit or like, is Kirk actually a zombie from now on? Like, <laughs> what, <laughs> right. what's going on? I'm like, I don't, I, I obviously don't know enough about Trek to know what's going to happen here. Right. So, like, for a while, I actually believed Bones when he said, you know, this is just to help him breathe better on this planet. I'm like, okay, Bones, why don't you give him to that, give him that at the beginning of the fight then? Right. Like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure like you could have, you know, we're like, Jim, you don't have to do this and just like stab him with it. Right. right? right. Can, <laughs> I, like, can I, can I tell you something? Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I've seen this episode, you know, several times, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I don't often go back and rewatch the original series, but this is yeah. one of the ones I usually pick up on the way through i always forget this part <laughs> i probably won't anymore after this podcast yeah because we talked about it always enough. forget that that's what that th- that this is you know dr mccoy playing a little bit of trickery mm-hmm. you know because i always have that same thought like well dude why didn't you give this to him like when he first started yes you know what's gonna happen exactly to him. exactly and, and then and then it's like you know oh yeah he's gonna give this to him and and in my head it's like oh yeah kirk's gonna come back and he's gonna have this big thing before you know they go to the fake is death thing i just Mm. forget that you know the twist is this thing that you know mccoy's actually giving yeah because it's not this what what do they call it the triox compound or whatever yeah something like that i i didn't even bother writing that down (laughs) but it's like okay so he he basically gave him a sedative knocked him out and i'm like okay i've seen this before in other sci-fi stuff Uh slows down your heart rate enough appears as if you're dead perfect like the fight ended very quickly as i i mean i i've i guess i've come to expect Mm -hmm. where we're getting near the end of the episode things happen very quickly in star trek right got it that that's just how their formula works right now right but the thing that like it just seemed way too convenient and obviously yes it was for convenience sake because they had to finish out this episode but that they let 
bones interject so much in the first place. Sure. And then, you know, when it's like, oh, he's dead, it's like bones goes over and checks on him. And it's like, yes, he's dead. Right. Like you're not going to have one of your own guys even check. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess they would have given the, the compound that he gave him. They probably would have come up with the same conclusion. Sure. But I'm almost surprised they don't have, you know, as part of their ceremony. Okay. The loser is going to be cremated too. We have this pit over here. Like, like, I mean, this seemed like such a formal, you know, grounds for this, this ceremony. Right. And so it's like, okay, you, you should have this pit that we haven't used for 500 years, but you know, when the challenge is issued, the loser, whoever dies, we'll just throw his body over here. It's like, no, no, we'll, yeah, we'll let you take him. No, it's fine. Okay, <laughs> sure. Thanks. Plan worked perfectly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that was the episode. Get back on the ship. Spock is all sad and confused, and he's going to resign. And but then Kirk surprises him, and we get that that, that very momentary, but once again, unVulcan like, or maybe it is very Vulcan like, if <laughs> according to you. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the brief moment of happiness from Spock. Like I, I I'm trying to remember if he actually smiled. Oh, he, just, yo, no, he full on smiled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that, that, and I'm guessing that's probably the only time we really see him smile. I like, like happily smile instead of maybe, I don't know if he ever cracks a grin really. I'll have to watch for that now. Right. But th- then something happened that I, I guess, well, it kind of needed to happen, but Tapao gets brought up again. Uh huh. And we find out that she definitely has some power. Sure. And now I want to find out more about her. Okay. Like she, she has enough power. It, whatever her role is on Vulcan, that she can, I, I guess, like contact the Federation, even though she doesn't actually have a seat, mm-hmm. and and say, "Hey, this is what happened. Don't charge them with anything. Let them keep their jobs. They were helping me or helping, you know, one of my people. Everything's all good, right? And because yeah. like the the message from the Federation is like it's all been smoothed over, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. but well, yeah, she's, I mean, she's about. still. I, I mean, keep in mind the Vulcans are still a part of the Federation, right? Sure. Um, and she's still a pretty pom- prominent person on their world, mm-hmm. uh, and she is a diplomat. Diplomat. You know, like like she may not be on the seat of the Federation Council, but she's I don't want to say she speaks for all Vulcan. That's not true either. Um, well, uh, but, OK, Do, um, maybe you don't know this. Maybe I'm guessing it probably wasn't established at this point, at least. But is there but like she turned down a seat on the council. Mm-hmm. Did they bring in another Vulcan in her place? I I I probably I I really don't know. Um, okay, and it honestly, it's not one of those things that ever really gets yeah yeah uh, discussed. So, or so basically, up. I'm yeah. I'm just wondering though. Like you said, maybe she's not in charge of all of Vulcan, but like I I I, I am curious to know more about her role on Vulcan. Okay. Yeah. Um, remember earlier when I said, Hey, uh, file this character away in the back of your mind. Yep. File this character away in the back of your mind, Matt. <laughs> Hang on to that thought right there. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up to it in about uh, four or five series. Oh, wonderful. It'll be, it, they come back to it though, man. The, 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 Don't hold this, your breath, bring, but we'll get back to it. Br- bringing back Harry Potter memory is when I'm sitting there telling Josh, don't worry. You'll find out about it in book seven. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. That was the episode. That's the episode. That is the episode. All right, Matt. So you said earlier it was, uh, okay. Did you enjoy the episode? That, that I think is where, where I want to go to next. With it. I, for the most part, yes. Like okay. I said, there, there are a few instances as I brought up where I was a little bit frustrated with you know how much time they're spending in the beginning getting to the point where i think they could have spent more time at the end either explaining things or just you know the the do, doing more with the, the the ceremony at the end uh, instead of rushing through that, which I felt it was a little bit rushed. Mm-hmm. Like like there, there are just a few frustrating moments that kind of took away a little bit from the enjoyment. But overall, yes, I did enjoy it. All right. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, obviously, uh, why we chose this episode, why this is a part of the, the, the deal, mm-hmm. this one mostly falls into the category and, and checks the box. Uh, not so much of painting a vision of the future for humanity and where we can go or yeah. teaching some major life lesson. I mean, I'll, I think there's the friendship idea in there. Oh, yeah, um, which is always good, but not necessarily, you know, s- specific to Star Trek yeah, and what they're trying right. to teach. Uh, but this certainly builds the 
the world of Star Trek. Yes. And and that really lays in uh, the biggest importance, uh, you know, of the whole thing. Plus, you know, we get to see Spock going to heat, which is just it, it's hilarious <laughs> on so many levels. And, you know, that little 13 year old inside of me just giggles every time I think about it, uh, as yes. does with most Star Trek people. And if you ever hear people talking about the Ponfar, you'll know exactly what they're talking about now. Yes. Um, and you'll just always wonder if it's supposed to happen every seven years. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. in the world? It's the one thing that comes back to get me. But Star Trek is uh, nothing if not notorious for their retconning. Uh, it's a work think, in progress. I think I think that is a phrase that was actually developed for Star Trek. <laughs> is rep conning all right uh so this episode is this an episode you'd want to watch again i'd watch it again all right there you go all right matt well that's going to do it for us uh that is amok time i bet you're just dying to know along with everybody else out there unless they read the show notes what Mm -hmm. our next episode is going to be yes sir all right we're going to skip a couple episodes we're going to move to an episode called mirror mirror uh Hmm. this one is important uh because it introduces us to something that we will return to several times so pay attention like all right know what's happening i mean not saying that you're watching these not paying attention but you know <laughs> try to try to understand what's happening um you know and and it's 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 a good fun episode um uh, but we will return to it you know certainly um certainly again and again it, this is this is uh this is a what i'd call a foundation episode okay of star trek so um it's definitely one of those uh i think i've decided you know we're going to use the litmus test of can you tell the story of star trek without this and if the answer is yes then we'll probably skip it yeah but if the answer is no like you need to know this in order to talk about Star Trek. Um, that's how we'll we'll go uh, we'll go through it. You know, what are you going to bump into when you go to the convention? So, yeah, um, I think this is where they cross over with Disney and we get the Seven Dwarves, right? Exactly, and we go down the rabbit hole. Um, okay. Yes, Mirror Mirror. Uh, it's also another one of those I think just very early, maybe first examples of a typical sci-fi trope. Okay, that almost every sci-fi show is going to do at some point. So, uh, and this is one of the the very early ones if not the first one to do it so that's the one we're doing folks we're doing mirror mirror and hey listen we are quickly quickly closing out on our run through the original series i mean like on the list i think i have three episodes left wow and we're done with the original series there's a couple of i'm i've got some homework i'm gonna have to do because there's a couple of them that you need to rewatch first yeah i do i really do i really do okay um because they're just Gosh, and there's one there's one that I'm I'm tempted to tell you to watch and, and that we should watch because it is so bad. <laughs> like it, like if you talk about like can you talk about the story of Star Trek without talking about the episode uh-huh. that is the worst episode in the original series? I it's not a good episode. I don't want to watch it and talk about it. But I almost feel like you just need to know, but I will probably skip it. But uh-huh. uh, <laughs> just for the sake of so many people. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. But it, we're we're within three four episodes, and we're done with the original series. We'll be moving on. So all right, uh, coming in close, coming in close. Uh, Matt, uh, with that, uh, well, I would like to say for anyone of you who are out there listening, this is your chance to make a pitch for an episode that we have not covered yet. Uh, we are season two and season three moving forward. If there's an episode that you really think we need to cover, you can email me to beammeuppod at gmail.com and make your case. Make your case for the episode that you want to hear or uh, hit us up on Twitter at beammeuppod. Uh, you follow us. Uh, we'll try to follow you back and, and uh, you can DM us that there as well. Or the other thing you can do is call and leave us a voicemail. That number, 702-518-TREK. That's 702-518-8735. We will take your voicemail. Uh, tell us about what you think about Matt's thoughts on Amok Time or did we miss anything? Did I miss something here? Uh, or make your case for an upcoming episode as well before we get to that. All right, Matt, with that, why don't you tell the folks where they can get a hold of you if they want to talk to you more specifically about some of the things you said tonight. The best way to get a hold of me is over on Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me personally, find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. And once again, the show is at BeamMeUpPod on Twitter, BeamMeUpPod at gmail.com for emails, and that phone number once again, 702-518. And uh, guys, that's going to do it. So until next time, we're watching Mirror Mirror. You guys are going to love that episode. And um, Matt, I, we're coming up on 10 episodes. We still haven't figured out how to show, close out the show. So I guess we'll just say see ya. Energize. Engage, Matt. It's engage. Aww.